Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I am Jason Kong, and I have the pleasure to be here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you today? Jason, I'm doing great. Yeah, it's another Saturday. It's wonderful. You know, it's so nice to be in summer with the warm weather. Uh, We've had too much rain over the last month, but uh, (laughs) better than a drought, uh, for sure, because it seemed like we were in a drought for a while. Uh, But, you know, it's like you get... A whole bunch of whatever <laughs> when you get it. Uh, well, too much, too little, whatever. We uh, caught up with the spring. We, we had about as much rain in 10 days in June than we did the, the entire spring. So. This, this is true. I, th- I think we've caught up for, for the water table at this point, uh, for sure. Well, North Carolina weather, you can always bet on it being unpredictable. And you can always bet on taxes, too, as well, Bill. And I know we're going to get into a little discussion well, about taxes. I, I don't know. Taxes are a little more predictable. <laughs> <laughs> And and, and I, I, you lead right into it because you know, uh, uh, frankly, uh, folks uh, at, who come to my office, a, a lot of folks are expressing concern about the possibility of tax changes. And, and of course, the fact is, taxes change almost every year in terms of what the laws are. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the first of all, I would tell everyone out there that all of the pandering that's going on right now, you, you enjoy your summer. Just totally ignore the garbage that's being spouted out by folks uh, um, as it relates to taxes. Because, frankly, the process of the, I, I will say, the legislative process process uh, of of changes, particularly significant changes regarding income tax or other tax issues, um, is like making sausage. You you really don't know what you're going to get until you fry it. (laughs) So, uh, and, and frankly, there's a long, long way to go before we really know, and, and the fact is, is that uh, a lot of folks don't realize that our income tax laws are already scheduled to change if Congress does absolutely nothing. Uh, if no law changes, what so many folks don't realize is that almost all the changes that have occurred uh, uh, that really occurred three and a half years ago are scheduled to basically go back to the way it was. Now, the that schedule is some years off because, frankly, uh, politically, and, you know, everything's motivated by politics, whether you like it or not, doesn't matter what party you're in and the like. But the fact is, is that the changes were sunsetted so that the tax laws would, in fact, go back to the way they were. When do you think that would be politically? Maybe after a certain election. After after the next presidential election, quite frankly. In other words, uh, in 2026, January 1, 2026, all of the tax changes, or almost all of them, uh, will go back to the way they were. So, you know, frankly, when there's a discussion going on, people should be 
comparing what's being considered to what it will be in 2026 if the laws are not changed. It seems sort of me sort of ridiculous to be comparing it to what the exact changes are now because those laws are not going to stay on the books uh, forever. Now, you know, one of the biggest changes that occurred, uh, well, and you might say, well, why does it go back? It goes back because when the law was passed, they put into it what's called a sunset. And what, what that means is, is that the law expires, and when it expires, it goes back to the way it was, uh, which, you know, the way it was had higher tax brackets for uh, everyone. Um, and, and so, but the biggest changes actually occurred to me with the implementation of, of increasing the standard deduction and taking away itemized deductions. And they, they did some other things. And quite frankly, with every tax change, there tends to be things that are good and things that are bad. Tax changes always hit different groups of people differently. So for some folks, it helps them a bunch and for other folks it hurts them a bunch and they end up paying more taxes uh, and quite frankly sometimes it's intentional on the part of the politicians and sometimes it's not I mean it's just like um, for instance when the um, what they call the salt taxes state and local tax deductions were capped at $10,000 that was designed to uh, significantly hurt states that were traditionally democratic, where some of the, particularly where you had a city taxes, like New York City, you know, where you had high state taxes and local taxes, and folks itemized those taxes and deducted them. Uh, and then you know, the federal government capped those deductions at $10,000. So, I mean, that was clearly aimed, you know, that, you know, not all taxes are aimed like that, but many are. So uh, whether you like it or not, I mean, that's what they did. So, But the main thing what happened for most of us, 99.9% of us, uh, we now use the standard deduction uh, and it's high enough to where uh, most folks don't itemize anymore. Very few people actually itemize personal income taxes anymore. Now, business deductions are all there. You know, you itemize your business deductions, no big deal. But, you know, when they make the changes to the tax law, it did have some fairly significant impacts. And, and like I said, some are good, some are not, depending on who you are. Uh, one thing they did, which I liked, was they... Uh, finally uh, erased what was always called the marriage penalty. And the marriage penalty was if you wanted to file your – before they changed it, if you wanted to file your taxes um, if you were married and you did not want to file with your spouse, you paid a higher level of tax. Well, that's no longer true. The single brackets, the tax brackets, and the single um, – deductions, the standard deduction, is exactly the same. So a married couple gets double what, exactly double what the single folks get in terms of tax brackets. 
and um, deductions. Uh, so obviously that makes a difference. Uh, another one now, for the most part, you have to understand <laughs> that the the um, intentions behind the changes were uh, did two things. It basically made much less work for the Internal Revenue Service because if you take standard deduction, there's nothing to look at. Uh, quite frankly, or very little to look at. And it, for the most part, even that this might surprise it, but it increased revenues uh, for the federal government. And so one of the things that they changed is, um, you know, while there's no marriage penalty, there, there is clearly a divorce penalty. And what they, what they did was they basically said alimony is no longer deductible for those folks who are paying alimony. So in a divorce where you're paying alimony and child support, the breadwinner who's basically making those payments cannot deduct those payments. Um, and, and of course, child support was never deductible, but the alimony part was. And so obviously that breadwinner tends to be in a higher tax bracket, and therefore the government gets more money by doing that. Now, if you you know, the folks who had their orders in place long before the law changed, those are grandfathered. But for any new situation, it makes a big difference on who pays the taxes for that. Um, there's no longer a real tax incentive to purchase your primary residence because you can't deduct the interest payments anymore. Um, you know, and we see this furor right now in terms of buying property, but there's no real tax incentive for it uh, for those who don't itemize. Um, uh, so there's um, th that makes its interest. Um, uh, basically, those who formally itemized you know, before the tax law changes, of most of us who did that are paying more income tax because. Uh, of uh, of that, uh, we we lost our personal exemption. So for for us, it tended to uh, give us less of a break, uh, and it resulted in higher taxes for most folks who formally itemized. Um, and then, of course, other deductions were reduced or eliminated. You know, I talked about the salt tax cap. Uh, but also things like being able to deduct how much you pay your accountant or your CPA to file your taxes or your lawyers to give you tax advice, uh, those deductions went away completely because I guess they don't want uh, folks to get tax advice anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they want you to pay. Yeah, <laughs> that's just the way it is. Um, but the key is all most of these changes go away in 2026. So the question is, will the changes that are being considered now actually benefit most of us or not? And uh, quite frankly, you know, we, we, you hear all these folks on the soapbox talking about how awful this uh, uh, thing is or not. But the fact is, most of the proposals have no chance of really passing uh, and, you know, some of them will pass, hopefully. I mean, frankly, there are a lot of good proposals out there that will help us and help most people far more than what the law will look like if the law is not changed and we simply go back to the way it was in 2026. I know that sounds wacky, but like I said, 
no politics intended. It really just comes into what changes will help the great majority of us. And you know what? What's really um, the only laws that are not sunset that were passed three and a half years ago um, are the tax breaks that were given to corporations. And, and those tax breaks were huge, significant tax breaks. Uh, and, you know, they are talking about a worldwide 15% minimum tax, which, if that happens, that actually will help the United States uh, in many, many different ways. Uh, so that's something to really look, like, look at. It's not just the corporate tax in the United States. It's corporate tax where, you know, all of the major countries are looking at doing it at the same time to level the playing field. And I'm actually hopeful that that will uh, come to pass. I think that would be very, very helpful to our economy and a lot of other economies around the world. That would be something that we need to keep our eye on, and we're going to continue our conversation here related to taxes and wading through what potential changes uh, may affect us and which ones we, we can probably just ignore. Don't forget, you can always go to WGALaw.com if you want to find more information about Bill. Maybe you want to register for his seminars happening in July. That's coming up on Wednesday, July 14th. Bill has two wonderful seminars, one dealing with the area of long-term care assistance, Medicaid, veterans benefits, and the other dealing with asset protection and trust planning. They are free to attend. It's free to register. Just go to WGALaw.com. Dot com and click on that seminars button, WGALaw.com, or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can always find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking about taxes. And as you said to begin the show, this is something that you're hearing a lot from your clients. Some some worry about potential changes, what they need to pay mm -hmm. attention to, and what they maybe can ignore. Well, no question about it. And and what I really want to talk about now is something that uh, – because I'm all about asset protection. And part of asset protection is paying less tax. You know, that's important to all of us because if we can legally and properly pay less tax, that's a good thing for all of us. Okay, so with that in mind, uh, most – folks are going to take the standard deduction on their income tax return. It's easy. And um, now, how much is the standard deduction? Well, for, uh, for you, Jason, the standard deduction for you and your wife is $25,100. Uh, and if you were filing separately or sing if you were single, it would be exactly half that amount, which is $12,550. Now, if you are over 65, I don't want to say senior because I don't feel like a senior, even though I might have to acknowledge it this year. 
and I'm over 65 at this point, so it's the kind of thing where I get an additional $1,700 simply because I'm over 65, okay? And so for a married couple, both being over 65, you get an additional 3,400 standard deduction for a, this, that's, the, these are the numbers this year, 2021. So we'll get a, a standard deduction of $28,500. Well, it's really hard for most people to itemize um, and, and itemize more than $28,500. Now, and so, you know, I was talking about some of the results. Another uh, result of the way they're doing things now is we no longer get our charitable deduction because, you know, what used to be, you know, where we would take our the interest we pay on our mortgage and our charitable deductions and all the other stuff, we don't get those anymore. Um, so, you know, as far as tax planning goes, it we don't get we don't have an incentive anymore to make the kind of contributions uh, to our church or to the Boy Scouts or to our favorite charities. I mean, it doesn't um, it, it it doesn't help us with our income tax anymore. In fact, a lot of the churches and charities were very very concerned about this change because. They know that people do contribute knowing that they, in at least formerly, got um, a, a nice tax break for being generous, uh, which is no longer true for, for the great majority of us. Um, but here's the thing. For seniors who incur a long-term care crisis, that is a time when uh, oftentimes – you have the opportunity to itemize your deductions, and you should, because medical, reasonable and necessary medical expenses are deductible. Okay, so the fact is, if that you in, end up in a nursing home or in assisted living, or you need uh, significant care, more than likely, and folks don't realize it, but oftentimes the cost of that can be 50, 60, 70, 80, 90,000 dollars a year. <laughs> so uh, you know, that's a time when itemization makes a lot of sense because you're way over that $28,500 if you're a married couple when you're when you have somebody that you're paying those kind of dollars uh, that are going out the door. And so the, the point is, is that, okay, what, what is deductible? Well, obviously, how much you pay in insurance premiums. And that for seniors, that includes your Medicare premiums, you know, the, what's taken out of your Social Security check and what you're paying for your drug coverage. That's a medical expense that is deductible, so you shouldn't forget that when you're trying to add things up to the degree you have any kind of supplemental health insurance, that's going to be a deductible expense as well. Now, this is where a couple things come into play. Uh, all right, let's say that you're in assisted living or you ha you're having aggressive care at home. Are all of those expenses deductible? Well, the answer is probably, okay? And so what's what 
what makes a difference? What makes it deductible? Because, you know, frankly, um, uh, it, it the tax code basically allows you to take any kind of reasonable and necessary medical expense, all right? So obviously it's got to be reasonable and it's got to be necessary. So any health expense may not be deductible. Now, wh- why not? Well, for instance, if you have cosmetic surgery, is that going to be deductible? Probably not. I won't say no because if you're, for instance, an actor or a model and the cosmetic surgery is necessary for you know your business purposes, it would probably be deductible under those circumstances. But, but for the rest of us, mm, no, I don't think so. Uh, but here's the deal. What makes it deductible is where your uh, your doctor uh, 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 says, and hopefully in writing, that y- you are chronically ill. Um, and if you're a chronically ill individual, as certified by your doctor, and it needs to be every year, you need this certification every year, then you're expenses, your long-term care expenses are going to be deductible. And, you know, there's a a particular uh, Internal Revenue Service uh, code. It's actually Section 7702B. I mean, yeah, I know everybody's going to remember that. But the bottom line is if your doctor uh, or you're a licensed healthcare practitioner certifies that you're chronically ill, and that can be where you need substantial assistance uh, for at least two activities of daily living, such as eating, toileting, transferring, bathing, dressing, uh, things like that that are very common with assisted living. Uh, then you're, you're a chronically ill person. Now, it can also be where you are demented and need substantial supervision to protect you. Uh, in terms of threats to health and safety because of severe cognitive impairment, or it could be some disability similar uh, to either one of these other two uh, where you need substantial help. Um, And if you have that certification, then it's deductible. A lot of um, accountants uh, want to... um, not allow you to uh, deduct room and board, which is not necessarily true. I mean, it it depends upon the kind of assistance that you need, and oftentimes room and board can be included, doesn't have to be deducted, but, you know, obviously take, take the advice of your CPA. But at the same time, it's the kind of thing where if, if it's reasonable and necessary, then from my own perspective, uh, uh, trying to figure out a way to take it out of the, the, your deduction is the wrong idea uh, because in most cases it is necessary, uh, particularly uh, in a nursing home environment or in an assisted, most assisted living environments. I won't say all assisted, but most assisted living. And it could even be true in independent living if you're receiving substantial care. A lot of folks don't realize that you can receive substantial care in many independent living environments just like you can at home. So that's really important. And there's one other thing that I try to tell folks when they're having a long-term care crisis. If they have a retirement account, that's the time to start 
using the retirement account to pay for those long-term care expenses. The reason why is because you're getting a substantial health care deduction. I mean, let's say if you're able to deduct $50,000 or $60,000 and your total income is thirty, obviously, to the degree you can pay it with, uh, pay those bills with your retirement account, you're, you're able to actually use 100% of that retirement account with no taxes to it. Or if you have to pay 10 cents on the dollar, you've won a huge victory because most people are at a much higher tax bracket uh, when they withdraw retirement accounts. And so when you do have a significant long-term care expense that you're uh, you know, struggling to pay for, that's the time to be using your um, retirement accounts if you can't get government assistance uh, otherwise. Because if you're having to privately pay, which a lot of folks are, it's time to use the, those retirement accounts. That's great advice. And if you want more wonderful advice from Bill pertaining to what to do with a long-term care crisis, go to WGA Law. Dot com and register for Bill's next free seminar happening on Wednesday, July 14th. Bill actually has two seminars, but the morning session deals with long-term care assistance and government assistance that is available for middle-class families who are dealing with a long-term care crisis. These are wonderful educational opportunities for you, and they're free to attend, and you'll get a lot of the great advice and knowledge that Bill can share with you like we've heard in this segment right here. Go to WGALaw.com, click on that Seminars button, and register for the next set of seminars happening on Wednesday, July 14th. If you prefer to call the office, you can do that by calling 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. Taking a short break, but we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget you can always find more about him at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's where you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill or register for the next set of free seminars happening on Wednesday, July 14th. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, I think a lot of people can relate to some of the things that you say and some of the stories that you have. And uh, you kind of experience things and you, you hear from folks and, uh, these are always learning opportunities for us. Thankfully. It is. I mean, it's always better to learn by the mistakes of others than it is to make your own mistakes. I mean, that's just, you know, come, you know, we learned this a long time ago. And of course, most of us screw up anyway, but, but you know, if we can learn by what other folks do, then that's what we should try to do. Well, anyway, I recently, I, I met with a wonderful couple uh, and the good news, quite frankly, and the smartest thing that they or the smart thing that they did was they sought good elder law advice early, you know, before they were they are in crisis. Uh, and frankly, if more people would do that, they would be so much better off because the bad news is this couple were, were 
in a position where they could make some substantial mistakes that would have been very costly to them in a lot of different ways. So uh, telling, giving you some you know, background and what they might have done, and hopefully I talked them out of it, um, uh, makes a difference. Okay, so got a, a, a married couple, been married many years. Uh, both are in their 70s. Wife's a little younger. Um, husband suffering from Parkinson's and now experiencing the early signs of dementia. Okay. In other words, worse than just getting old and forgetful, you know, but at the same time, still very lucid, still could participate um, without any problems in our discussions. Um, but he does need assistance from his wife, particularly in the mornings, uh, but doing pretty good. And wife appeared to be pretty healthy, but she also suffers from COPD, uh, uh, but it's manageable and basically can do th- most of the things that are needed for them uh, at, you know, at home. And she, otherwise, very lucid uh, and fairly healthy other than the fact that she um, has uh, COPD. Uh, now, neither husband nor wife were veterans, so no, no benefits there. And that's important because most people are not veterans and there's no VA benefits. Um, and it's also important for them to understand uh, how the systems work because they were interested in government assistance. The big thing was wife was really worried about running out of money during the lifetime and not having enough money to support herself because of the needs of her husband. Um but both of them had uh, husband had monthly income, and this is always important to know uh, how much monthly income you have for each spouse when it comes to government assistance. It does matter. Husband's income was over seventeen hundred dollars a month, and wife's income was actually over two thousand dollars a month. But why that is meaningful is that most people who need care, particularly those, uh, and I'm talking about outside the home, uh, when people need care outside the home, uh, the majority of people, particularly those who suffer from dementia, and particularly those, I mean, Parkinson certainly falls into that when it gets to be a really bad situation for folks. And it's not always together, but it's not a, it's a fairly common thing for Parkinson's and dementia to, you know, r- raise its ugly head together. Um uh, but the, but the fact is is that assisted living is where most people need assistance rather than nursing care, uh, and so the fact is is that there is government assistance at the assisted living level, but most middle class families are not eligible for it, and and that's the case in this particular family. They will never be eligible. It's a program that most people call Medicaid, but it's actually the special assistance program. And the reason that they will never be eligible for it is because it has a fairly low income cap. It's a means-tested program, and you have to have low income, and then your resources have to be fairly low as well in terms of countable resources. But 
Now, for those folks that I'm losing because, okay, it's too confusing already, they need to come to our seminar. <laughs> but, but the fact is, is that it's important for folks to know when they're not going to be eligible for government assistance. That's a really key thing for folks to know. Well, the myth is that if you run out of money, the government will take care of you. In other words, there's assistance once you're once you're run, when your nest egg is gone. Uh, the government is there for, to take care of you. Wrong. That's not the case. And so that this is a pretty good um, illustration of that because because their incomes were low. I, I mean they they fell into what I call the big hole in the safety net and and. Uh, and so their income was way too much to be eligible for the government program, but not nearly enough to pay for home care or to pay for assisted living once dad gets to a point where uh, mom may have difficulty managing him. Right now he's extremely manageable, no problem for the next few years, but the uh, or apparently for the next few years. But it it's the kind of thing where we know it's going to get worse. And so the question is, what do you do when it gets worse? Well, what what this means is there's no government assistance unless something really bad happens to Dad, and at that point he needs nursing facility care, which most – the good news is a lot of folks will never need nursing care, but the fact is is that – if you need nursing care in your middle in middle class, in most cases, we can get you on Medicaid, where the government will help you pay. But at a lower level of care, there may be absolutely nothing available for you. So you have to find an alternative path to take care of those needs because the government's not there for you. And that's really important. That's the case in this. And this family had a, a very modest nest egg. Uh, they did own their home, which is really helpful. And they uh, there was a retirement account, um, an IRA that was the wife's, uh, that was most of their nest egg. So uh, obviously some real concerns and legitimate concerns about running out of money if you made the, you know, poor choices. And so uh, the point is, is that the, the key takeaway here, and there are several, but one of the key takeaways is that mom needed to find a way to keep dad at home. And uh, that obviously uh, is really important to limit costs, which might mean adult daycare, uh, and, uh, which could help, you know, give her time. And also, uh, respite. That's another issue. So there's several issues that I want to talk about, and I know we have to take a break, but the key is I wanted uh, to sort of set the stage for some of the things that these folks could do, knowing that they're they, that they need to privately pay. Excellent. We will get to that. And as Bill said earlier, if he lost you at any point during that segment. You really need to attend Bill's seminars. You can register for free online at WGA Law. 
wgalaw.com, wgalaw.com. Just click on the seminars button. There are two seminars to sign up for on Wednesday, July 14th. The morning session deals exactly with what we're talking about now, and that is long-term care assistance for folks dealing with a long-term care crisis. The second session, the afternoon session, deals with asset protection and trust planning, some of the things that we talked about earlier on in the show that would probably fall under that category just go to wgalaw.com it's free to sign up free to attend these are currently in the form of webinars so you can do it from the comfort of your own home wgalaw.com just click on that seminars button or call 919-256-7000 919-256-7000 a quick break and back with more This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with... Bill Alexander and Bill, we're we're talking about a world you know so well, and that has to do with elder law and also with long-term care assistance and planning and what to do either preparing in the event of a crisis or what to do when you find yourself in a crisis. Well, no question. And and in this particular case, uh, mom was just totally shocked that there was absolutely no government assistance for her. Uh, because they felt like they were not high-income earners, and they didn't have a big nest egg. So it was like, you mean if we run out of money and we can't get any assistance for home care and we can't get any assistance if Dad needs to go to assisted living? And I said, yes, that's correct, and you need to know that right now. And she was totally shocked, particularly if they were – out of resources. In other words, if she spent every penny they had taking care of dad, there's still no government assistance unless he needed nursing care, which is a higher level of care. And he may never, hope he never needs it, but at the same time, it's important for you to know when there's help available or no help available. So basically, for, for, for her, she realized, well, that means we have to find a way to take care of dad at home. That puts more pressure on her. Of course, her, the plan right now is dad's okay at home for the next foreseeable future, which is you know good because they were in early. They weren't in crisis yet. And they hadn't spent, uh, spent their money yet. So that, that was really important. Um, Another thing, so it was really important to know her low-cost alternatives. One of alternative is um, uh, is um, adult daycare, and of course uh, they live in Raleigh. And one of the uh, adult daycare programs in Raleigh is Edenton Street Methodist Church. They have a wonderful program, and it's relatively low cost. So. For about $1,000 a month, a dad could go, uh, when he gets a little bit worse, uh, he could go to adult daycare five days a week, giving mom time to go to the grocery store and get her, go to the beauty parlor and do other things that's important to to her, see her friends, maybe get some exercise and do some other things. And, of course, the other thing I told her, 
that's so important for caregiving is respite. That means vacations from caregiving where you go with your daughter to the beach for the weekend or for a week or something where you spend the money to take care of somebody else is taking care of dad. And that money, even though you're worried about running out of money, is so important that you take those breaks. Uh, respite is one of the most important so that the caregiver doesn't break down over time because it's stressful to take care of people no matter how you cut cut it. It's stressful, and it's even more so if you don't take breaks. And so caregivers, particularly spouses, need to find a way to take a break from caregiving uh, a few times a year. Uh, I, it, I can't stress how important it is to put as much emphasis on the caregiver as to the person who is receiving care. Now, um, they were also talking about, well, maybe I should sell our house and move to Clayton because we have some uh, family members in Clayton that it would be nice to be closer to them. Now, they're talking about Raleigh to Clayton. Now, Clayton's a wonderful community. But don't forget, I said these folks are in their 70s. Selling their home right now would be easy as pie. Buying a home right now in Clayton would be very, very difficult. Clayton is a popular community, lower taxes, lots of good things. But I said that's the worst mistake you could possibly make. And she's looked at me and says, why? And it's like this. Number one, it's expensive to move no matter how you cut it because if you buy a new piece of property, you're looking at new furniture to, that needs to fit, you know, new drapes, new new uh, window treatments, new, you know, n- new rugs, new lots of things that, in other words, it's not cheap to move. And I'm not talking about the realtor commissions and stuff like that. I'm talking about getting into a house and getting it the way you want it to live. That's an expensive proposition. Plus, and she didn't realize it at the time, I said, one of the programs that's available to you at at some point in the future will be the PACE program, the program um, for all-inclusive care for uh, for the elderly, and that's a program that might be uh, important to her. It's available in Raleigh. It's not available in Clayton. Why? Clayton's in Johnston County. Johnston County doesn't have a PACE program. And unfortunately, it's not going to until the legislature allows the programs to be expanded, and it's frozen right now. But Raleigh has a program, you know, so uh, our folks, uh, that's really important. And the, okay, so now we get to the nitty gritty. If you're willing to move, for those folks, the the best choice this couple could make when they're ready to move is to move to independent living with care. Why? Number one, they could afford it from their monthly income because together uh, they had sufficient income, uh, more than sufficient, to have a one-bedroom place in an independent living community safe environment for both of them and dad's only going to get worse and he can't go to assisted living because they can't afford it independent living gives you most of the uh, stuff that assisted living gives you uh, at much less cost and so plus you can add on care in independent living at a much lower cost than you can living at home where they're are minimum hours required when you hire home care workers. So 
uh, lots of options for them in the independent living community, uh, but no options in the assisted living community for them because of price. Um, and so it was the kind of thing where they really needed to reassess their options. But knowing their alternatives early on is one of the best things that they could do. So coming to see us early really helped them a lot. They avoided stepping on some major landmines thanks to a discussion with you. And again, that's why getting ahead of things, planning, making sure that you understand the options in front of you is so important. Schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Go to WGALaw.com or you can also register for Bill's seminars if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance and the options available to you. It's a wonderful educational tool for you and it's free to attend via our webinars. Go to WGALaw.com, click on that seminars button or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here with Bill, and we're uh, just about out of time here, Bill, but you have a parting shot well, for us. Well, for my couple that we were talking about, uh, didn't mention it before, but one one of the important things that we are getting done is they needed the right kind of legal documents to move forward. And, of course, we were wanting to move property and create a trust that would help them in the future. And Those are just as important as the rest of advice we were talking about. Make sure that you are also in a safe place and understand the options available to you. Go to WGALaw.com if you want to schedule an appointment with Bill. Maybe you want to have your legal documents reviewed, or you can click on the Seminars button to register for Bill's free seminars happening on Wednesday, July 14th. We're out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.